Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these lost tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these lost tribes known as the house of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. Ephraimites and Shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. We do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the Transition of Church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com. Send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the Transition of the Church gift offer. Hey, welcome back in this show. It's Mark Reinbold. Got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great, great show we have in, in store for you. I just want to remind everyone that we do have a website, www.jewishprofit.com. That's www.jewishprofit.com. And for all you uh, new people out there, maybe the first time that you've been on, please check that website out. You're going to find out who we are, and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before. And you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the Word of God. And I'm telling you what, what a great opportunity that is. We also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out what we call lovingly the Corn Patch. And you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight from the throne room of God and I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material. Not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv, and we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity. Again, that all is. So, again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprofit.com. That's cradle at jewishprofit.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about and certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the office a call. 618-262-2810 and find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with us from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Prophet Tom Decker. I'm going to start tonight the talk on the subject of Shabbat, the Feast of Weeks, or as we probably better know it as Pentecost. And we know that this marks the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. Now, of course, we're at the time of the counting of the Omer, and we're going to, let's just go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter of Leviticus, so we can begin to uh, 
examine God's Word about all of this. Uh, you know, it's, it's so important to realize that, that God does have, will always have, everything under control. Leviticus 23, the first verse says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feasts of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Now, I, I want to point out here that what he's doing, he's proclaiming sacred assemblies. Okay? The word convocation just means meetings. They're proclaimed to be holy convocations. In other words, there should be a meeting. Now, because we live such distances here, if we were in an Orthodox community, we would, there would be, the synagogues would be open, and we would be going to synagogue on each one of these uh, festivals. Now, we try to have, uh, within all of it, I think we're going to be gone, I think we're in California uh, during Shabbat, but uh, we have and urge people to have some type of home meeting, just if it's yourself, and usually that's what it ends up being. But anyway, that's that's what he talks about here. In the next verse, he says, Six days shall, you work, shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, a holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. It is the Sabbath of the Lord your God your, to all your dwellings. Now, again, it's a holy convocation. You know, the commandment is, again, to have either Friday night or Saturday is to have, again, a meeting, to have a meeting. Well, we chose to have ours here. I know I ran into somebody... I can't remember exactly when. It wasn't just this past weekend, but it was uh, somewhere uh, not far back. And they asked me that, you know, they said, well, we still keep Sundays. And I said, well, that's fine. Do you have a, you keep a Sabbath meeting on Friday night or Saturday? No, so we don't do that. And I said, well, you need to understand something. God commands that we have a, a, a Sabbath meeting, a, a convocation. And they said, well, they didn't know that, and so they went home and read it in the Bible, and they come back and said, well, no one had taught them that. You know, I think, too, that a lot of times with all these, with these, with these feasts, with these festivals, I think what a lot of people don't understand is that you're probably not going to learn to do it all right the first time. Just do, just, you know, the first year or two or three, try to get done what you can do. God will, God will be lenient. He'll be lenient with you. But you want to understand the key is to learn to do it all, all right? Now, these are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. On the fourteenth day of the first month, even the Lord's Passover. Now, we know all about that. We just came through Pesach. And on the fifteenth day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days you must eat unleavened bread. Well, we went through that. In the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no several work therein. But ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord seven days. And the seventh day is a holy convocation. Ye shall do no several work therein. So there was a convocation the first day, a convocation the last day of, of Pesach, of which we kept, uh, we kept, uh, bless God, when, uh, Sabbath on the first and last day. We, uh, had, we had a convocation during that time, a meeting. It goes on to say, uh, where am I at? Uh, but ye shall offer and offer in the ninth verse. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak, speak also unto the children of Israel, and say to them, When ye be come into the land which ye give to you, and ye shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheath of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest. Now we're talking about what? We're talking about the feast that he's now, and he'll present this as he lays it out. And he shall weigh the sheath before the Lord to be accepted for you, on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And ye shall offer that day when ye weigh the sheath and the lamb without blemish, blemish for the first year of the burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof and the two tenths deals of fine, of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made before the Lord for sweet savor and drink offering thereof to be in a wine and fourth part of a hen. Now, he goes on, he goes on down through this and and, and, and we're going to go down, well, the 14th verse. And ye shall eat neither bread, nor parched corn, nor green ear, until the selfsame day you have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. And ye shall count 
unto you from the mall after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheath of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Even unto the mall after the seven Sabbaths shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer meat offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habit, habitations two wave loaves of ten, de, ten two ten deals, Ye shall be of fine flour, they shall be bacon with leaven, they are the first fruits unto the Lord. And ye shall offer with the with the bread seven lambs without blemish, and then it goes through all that, alright? Now the, the the thing that we want you to see and understand is that it is the counting of what's called the counting of the Omer. Now we have we have come to that time, in other words, fifty days after the Sabbath, the last Sabbath of Pesach. The counting is 50 days, seven Sabbaths. Then we come to, that's called the counting of the, of the Omer. Now, in verse 21 it says, And ye shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no several work therein. So that again, it's a, it's a Sabbath to us. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. goes on to say, uh, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not make clean riddance of the Corners of thy field, uh, when thou reapest, thou shalt gather any gleaning of the harvest, thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am the Lord your God, which is the eternal seal. All right? And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Well, you know, and, and what's really neat about God is when he, gets, when he gets himself into the position that he's in, when he says, I'm the Lord God, we know that that's eternal. We know that's his stamp of eternity. But the, the neat thing is that, that he's saying, when that harvest, you begin, you begin to bring that unto the Lord. And of course, we call it the Feast of, Feast of Weeks. We call it the, uh, Pentecost. And of course, I think that the, the most rememberable part is that we know that it happened to be at the end of the counting of the Omer, after Christ had died. And isn't it something how all this is done. You know, I've heard theologians try to actually try to bring this thing to a place of understanding where people could get into their mind that it was just by chance, that it just happened to be by chance that that took place that it, after the county of the Omer, Pentecost came, when Christ, of course, participated and, and asked the Shabbat uh, himself uh, brought it forth. Now, let's go to Exodus, the 19th chapter of Exodus. And in the 19th chapter, the first verse, it says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were going forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai, and they departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel camped before the mount. They were before the mount, all right? And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shall... Thou say unto the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, and all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And, and Moses came and called for the elders, the people, and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Now, I'm going to stop there a minute. You know, that's where this all started, and that's where this thing all seemed to got out of hand. As we look at it today, if, if, it's, if, you're, if you're not pro uh, the commandment, um, when the, the children of Israel said, "When they and all that the Lord had spoken, we will do." When they said that, they made the covenant. They made that covenant. They agreed to that a covenant. And of course, today we're still bound to that covenant. Most people don't know that, but we are. And Moses, ninth verse. And Moses said, "Lo, I come unto thee in the thick cloud, and the people may hear when I speak with thee, and believe thee for, forever." And Moses told the words of the people, and the Lord, and the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto the people, and sanctify them today, and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes. And now that's uh, always one of those things that, that, you know, that it's always washing, it's always cleansing. And be ready against the third day, for the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people on Mount Sinai. 
So he set, he set all of what God told him to set before the people. They made the agreement. And they made the agreement, and bless God, then, then we see over in the 20th verse, and that, and 20th chapter, I mean, and then what happened there, he began to bring forth in what we call the Ten Commandments. Now, we're not going to go down through all these, because we have gone through them seemingly, or it seems like, uh, many, many, many times. But within all of these things that, that, that God did, and he said, in the 20th verse of the 20th chapter, and Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your face, that you sin not. And there's the key to this thing, that God is before us, that we do what? That we sin not. And, and, and that's, the, that's the key of understanding what all this is about. Now, we have done an exercise here uh, about three weeks ago or so now, by getting people to come in here fasting and, and praying, and, and we did an exercise as the angels of God came into this room, and bless God, we had some, some wonderful experiences. Some people are emailing and, and, and still emailing and talking about the things that happened when we came together through fasting and prayer. And what did we do? We cleansed ourselves by, by the word is repentance, and from that repentance then, what happened? God began to honor what we were doing. It's the same thing with these feasts. As, as, as you honor God by doing and participating in these feasts, it gives God the opportunity to do what? To honor us. And that's exactly what he's into. Let's go to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29. And over here, starting in the ninth verse, He says something very important here. He says, Keep therefore the words of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Now, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that we fully will ever understand that. I mean, it's simple to read. It, it, the, the, the key is the commandments and the key is, is understanding whether we're going to keep the commandments and more than that, what are the commandments? You know, the church is really mixed up, and the church believes that when Jesus came, Yeshua came, that what he did was he wrote some new commandments. Because, after all, this is the New Testament, so we were told. That we no longer were under the law, so we were told. But yet we're told back here, and, and, and what I always find hard and difficult to grasp onto is we've got people that seem to not understand that we live in what was we call the curse of the law because we didn't keep the law. The children of Israel, when they kept the law, they, they were absolutely, sickness was not near under their dwellings at all. Bless God, they prospered. Everything they did, God, God, God blessed. And yet today we're out here wrestling all this stuff and we can't seem to get it straight. We can't seem to get it put together. And then we've got some people now that seem to think that they can put this thing together and they can do both the commandments and the testimony of Yeshua. The problem is with the people now that are doing the commandments, they're not doing the testimony. All right? Now, now let me explain that to you because it's, it's very important to grasp on to this, this, this aspect of this thing. So we've got people out here keeping the feast. We've got people out here keeping, uh, keeping Shabbat, which is Sabbath. We've got people out here keeping Rosh Hashanah, which is New Moon. But what we, as I have explained, and you heard me go through about the thing about the last day anointing was, what we have, the testament, the testament or the testimony of Yeshua is very clearly telling us to walk sinless. Become, you know, become like the Father. Become, you know, and yet we don't understand. And, and what, now people say to me, said, well, you know, I'm keeping that, but I don't seem to be more blessed. I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. You get a judgmental spirit out of your life and keep it out of your life. You get, get this sowing discord out of your life and keep it out of your life. Things can begin to change. But as long as you're going to use that judgmental spirit, you're no more. It doesn't matter, folks, if you do all this stuff and you do it to an absolute T and you stand on your head and whistle Dixie, in the end, it's not going to do you any good. See, I, the, the key to this thing is called balance, and I never can seem to understand how we can't get in balance and stay in balance. I've never been able to understand that. You know, 
if, if, if when you watch little kids. Now, if, if this was hot, if this was hot, a little kid would come over there and he'd touch it. Oh! Now, he'd not go back. He touched it once, but he wouldn't go back and hit there. He's smart enough to stay away from it. But we go into this thing with a judgmental spirit, judging everything, everybody. We get it. I'm going to tell you what. I'm not sure which is worse. I'm not sure that so in the discord or the judgmental spirit's the worst. I'm not sure which one is. They're both deadly, but I'm not sure which is the worst of the two. Maybe they're the same. Because what we can't seem to do is we can't understand that you, you, can get, you can do all these festivals, you can do all that stuff over there, and if you're not going to do this other stuff over here, that, 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 which is a testimony, the stuff that we keep saying, the church keeps saying, that's all we need to do. The problem with the church, the church aren't, isn't doing all that anyway, are they? No, they're not. The church is a mess. So we come along, and now we're here trying to give balance. Now, we got people just loving the Jewish the Messianic Jewish way, and that's wonderful that we have. But until we can get their lives cleaned up, remember when I went through that whole thing, talking about when, when the Lord God comes and brings the nations before him and he sets the sheep on his left, I mean on his right, and the goats on his left? You remember, you should have seen the people's faces when I told them that that's the church. Those aren't heathens, those sheep aren't heathens. They are the church, or what we want to call the church. Now, why are they the goats? I'll tell you why they're the goats, because in this case, they couldn't take care of, of those things that need to be taken care of, the sick, the hungry, all those things. And I said the same thing up in Michigan this last weekend. We're building all these beautiful castles, and we've got people in our communities that bless God that don't have food. We've got people in our communities that are having to choose God knows now with the gasoline prices the way they are, where they can even drive a vehicle and buy the gasoline anymore. And yet we're doing all the other. We missed the mark. Those people are goats. They are not sheep. They never will be sheep. Why? For the sheep do what? They hear his voice. The sheep hear his voice. Now, how does it get so cluttered? Do you ever stop and wonder about that? If the sheep hear his voice, how does everything seem to get so cluttered up to the place where, bless God, we, we don't seem to think? Now, you know... I think I've got somewhat the answer. I don't have it all, but I've got some of it. And part of the answer that I think that I have is this. I think that we get so caught up in the fact, those of us that are born again, filled with the Holy Ghost, just the fact that, we, you know, oh boy, look at us, we've got the power of God, all this is going on and all this is going on. I'm, I'm more special than the group down the street that doesn't have the Holy Ghost, or this, that, or whatever it is. And I think we get to believe in that somehow it exempts us. It exempts us from keeping all the things that we're to keep. Now, to put it in balance, it's just as important to keep the things that Yeshua come to this earth. Now, we're going we're gonna to start studying that, and we're going to start making listings of those things so that people can understand the things that we were told that we were to do. We are to bring ourselves, one of the things that we're to bring ourselves to, we're to bring ourselves to the place where we, you would lay your life down for, the, for your brother or your sister. We, we, would you do that? Well, that's what we're told. No greater love, no greater love, Jesus said. Yeshua said this, than, than, than somebody you know that would lay their life down for somebody else. Uh, do you have that kind of love? No, we don't have that kind of love. We're too self-centered. We're too, we're too selfish. We're too, it's all the time wanting this. It's all the time wanting for ourselves. That's not what the kingdom is about. The kingdom of God is, is, is love and it's power and, 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 and it's the things that God is. But it's not selfishness. And, and the self-centeredness in our lives is causing us to miss so much that God has for us. So you see, again, you can, you can, you can wear a talent. You can wear head coverings. You can, you can keep all the, all the festivals, the new moon and, and Sabbath. And still, if you're going to be out of balance with the testimonies end of it, then what have you really gained? I'll guarantee you what you gained. You gained nothing but a bunch of headache. And and when the time comes, you'll say, "Well, I'm not being I'm not being uh, blessed." And and bless God, I can tell you why. Because somewhere along the line, if you're keeping all that, you got to also see it's it's two things. It's that and the testimony of, of Yeshua. And his testimony will run out. So, so he tells us things that we're to do. He tells us you, you don't judge. He tells us, bless God, that we don't, you know, 
We, we know we're not to be sowing discord, but that, that's hard to do because we're all for a good story, right? So when it comes down to it, where he's saying we're at is, is out here pondering. Keep therefore the words, ninth verse again, 29th chapter of Deuteronomy, of this covenant and do them that you may prosper in all that you do. Well, that's, that's absolutely the truth. And if you would get into it for the covenant's sake, that it'll work. Now, is Christ part of the covenant? Of course he's part of the covenant. Let's look at the next verse. You, you stand this day, all of you before the Lord your God, your captains of your tribes, your elders and your officers, with all men of Israel. Your little ones, your wives, strangers, and that you camp from the hewer of thy wood and to the drawer of thy water, that thou shouldst enter into the covenant with the Lord thy God and into his oath, which the Lord thy God maketh with thee this day, that, you, that he may establish thee. And I like that part that he may establish thee today for a people unto himself, and that, that, that he may be unto thee a God, as he has said unto thee, as he has sworn unto thy fathers Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. Neither with you only do I make this covenant and oath, now listen, but with him that standeth here with us this day before the Lord our God, and also with him that is not here with us this day. Now, you know, that, that, that that's, that's quite a statement. Now, he said, not only with you, but the, even the ones that don't stand here this day. In other words, that, that oath or that covenant was put forth for all mankind. Now, we know that Israel is a chosen of God. You know, when you stop and you look and you study, you begin to find something out that, 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 that Sabbath, Shabbat, was given before there, uh, Israel ever was Israel. All right? And so when you, when you study and you begin to realize that the Lord God said... Seven days, he, uh, six days he works, seven days you rest. That was given to mankind. So when we examine all this stuff and we begin to realize that, bless God, that, that the key is not whether or not you're an is Israelite. The key is whether you are a child of God. Now, I say this many times, and I know that it bears to be said and to be remembered, and I guess, uh, I guess uh, dealt with, because who, what, who makes a child of God? Well, we understand by the, by the law, which um, uh, Moses brought down from the mount, we know that, bless God, that according to that, if a stranger that's not an Israelite comes into your camp and agrees to keep the covenant, then they will become Israel. In other words, so it doesn't make any difference. You know, the, the, today we still, today the Jews still making this big deal that your mother's got to be of, you know, got to be of Jewish blood or you can't be counted a Jew. Well, that's fine for the Jews, and I don't mind that one bit. The Ephraim's a whole different story. Okay, now let's go to Isaiah, the first, the first chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah one. God's got a plan for all of our lives, and these feasts are very important. Shabbat is very important. Now, the tenth verse. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the wall of your God, ye people of Gomorrah. So that's a commandment to Sodom and Gomorrah, wasn't it? Give ear, give ear unto the law of our God. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, saith the Lord? I'm full of burnt offerings and rams, and the fat of the fed beasts. And I delight not in the blood of the bullocks, or of lambs, or of he-goats. When, when ye come to appear before me, who has acquired this at your hand to tread your courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies I cannot away with it is an equity, even solemn assembly. Do you know something? I've had people use that right there to show me that you don't burn incense, you don't do new moon anymore, you don't do the Sabbaths anymore. I've actually had them come to me to use that. Do they have any idea? See, it says in the 14th, Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am worried to bear them. Why? Well, because they didn't keep the law. They didn't keep the thing right. And you spread forth your hands, and I will hide my eyes from you, yea, and make many prayers. I will not hear your, your hands are full of blood. And boy, he just goes, he just goes right back at them. Now, what he says is learn to do well, seek judgment. 
Now, I'm sorry, wash, wash you, make you clean, the 16th verse. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fathers. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And I like that very, very much. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good. See, you've got to be willing before you can be obedient. You understand? Willing and obedient. You've got to be both. You have to be willing to keep the, keep the festivals, the new moon and Shabbat. You've got to be willing to keep the testimony of Yeshua. And then you have to be obedient to fulfill what we're told to do. There's a lot of people willing. There's a lot of people volunteer to do it, but they, they don't become obedient. The Bible says in the Old Testament says that obedience is better than sacrifice. And if obedience is better than sacrifice, then bless God, we need to get obedient. We need to get obedient to God. I believe that we're entering into a time when we're going to, and like I said, we're going to go back through, I'm going to start a study and we're going to go back through, and we're going to begin to list what the testimony is all about of Yeshua. What is his testimony? His testimony was the things that he left here, the words that he left here for us to follow, none of which negated the, the law. He said, I didn't come to destroy it. He said, I, become, I come here to fulfill it. He came to help us understand what that law was all about. I heard somebody this weekend uh, saying that, well, you know, Jesus had to keep the law because he was under the law, and he kept it all, and then when he left, we didn't have to do the law anymore. Well, that's about stupid. I mean, it takes somebody about two, you know, about two points past idiot to understand that that couldn't be right. If he come to present a New Testament, don't you think that he would present it? And again, I keep saying this over and over again, because he did come here to give us his testimony, then bless God... Uh, what's, what, what in the world is going on with us thinking that, bless God, that this thing had to be different than the Old Testament anyway? Only because we made it such in our minds. That's the only, the only reason that there is. That's the only reason there ever will be. Let's go down to the book of Acts. God's feast, not, men, not, not, not what man has decided to do. And that's what we've got to make our minds up. These are God's feasts. They ain't got a thing in this world to do with what... You think what I think, what they think. This belongs to God. It's His command upon them. Now, in the second chapter, and in the first... Oh, let me see something here. I think I want to do something different here. Do I not? Yes, I do. Now, I want to go by... I'm sorry. I want to go back over into chapter 1. We'll get to chapter 2. The form, former treatise, or treatise, have I made, O Theopolis of all that Jesus began to do and to teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom. Now notice that, that, that he, was been, he was seen forty days. Out of the county of the Omer, of seven Sabbaths, he was seen... Forty days, and being assembled together with them, commanded them they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, Ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days henceforth. When that they thenceforth will come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know. Uh, not, not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall have witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all in Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, said that, of course, they looked in the, as he went up into heaven. Now, as they returned, the twelve verse, then they returned into Jerusalem from the, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. 
And they were come in, they went into the upper room, where abode unto Peter and James and John and Andrew and all the rest of them, all right? The next verse says, 14, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. So they were there in, in relationship to better than a week, and they were in the upper room doing exactly what they were told to do, was to tarry. Now, do you realize that there is a sect within the Pentecostal movement that believes that you can't get the Holy Ghost until you tarry? Do you know that? Have you ever been around those kind of people? That you have to tarry. Now, they've got all kind of rules for this tarrying, and I love, I love every one of them, as a matter of fact, that, that you've got to get yourself in a position and understand that when God decides that you've tarried long enough, you're going to get it. Now, you may have to tarry a day, you may have to tarry a week, you may have to tarry a month, it could be six months, it may be ten years. But after you've tarried long enough, on one occasion, somewhere predestined by whatever, that Holy Ghost is going to come on you and you're going to speak in other tongues. Now, I didn't know that and I was in one of those churches. And somebody come up and this guy come up, a big, big boy. And he was standing there and about that tall and he looked at me and he said, I'm praying tonight's my night. I said, your night for what? And he said, you know. I said, no, I don't know. I said, what night are we talking about here? And he said, well, this could be the night that, that, that I've tarried long enough to get the Holy Ghost. Well, I didn't know the doctrine. And I, I said, tarry for the Holy Ghost? You don't have to tarry for the Holy Ghost. You want the Holy Ghost? Well, yeah. He said, I'm, I'm tarrying for it. I said, ah, that's easy enough. So I laid my hand on his head, commanded him to receive the gift of God, and out of his belly come a river of living water, which would bring tongues out. And bless God, he began to speak in other tongues. And he fell on the floor as though he was dead. And when he came back around, he said to me, he said, I have tarried for the Holy Ghost for three or four years. He said, I guess this must have been my night. And I said, no, 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 no. You could have had this three or four years ago, the first night you decided you wanted the Holy Ghost. It is a gift from God. He's not going to withhold any good thing from his children. You ask, you receive. That's exactly what the Bible says. So anyway, I got myself in a bunch of hot water, and I'm sure they enjoyed it because I enjoyed it very much myself. So there they were. They were in what we call the upper room, all right? Now, in the second chapter, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now, when was that? Seven Sabbaths, 50 days after what we just came through, which was Passover or Pesach. And after, and that, then we come upon them, right? And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so it had to be the, they had to, that had to be the time, they were all with one accord in one place. Now there they were. The counting of the over, uh, of the Omer is over. They are at the Feast of Weeks. They are at Pentecost or Shavuot. All right. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house that they, where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. What is, what is the evidence of the Holy Ghost? It's speaking in other tongues. All right. And there dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of all nations under heaven, and when it was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were comforted because they, that every man heard them speak in their own language. And they were all amazed, and they marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these speak Galileans? And then it goes through all the things, the different places that they were from, and, and the strangers of Rome, Jews, and, and apostolates. Uh, now, on down in the 12th verse, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? They thought it was some kind of a sign. Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. They, they, they were saying they were drunk. Now, I love this 14th verse. Have probably from the first day that I ever, ever saw it, I ever read it. But Peter, now after this was happened, after he heard all this, Peter stood up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, You men of Judea, and all ye that, that dwell at Jerusalem, 
Be this known this day unto you, and hearken to my words, for these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing that it is but the third hour of the day. It's 9 a.m. They're not drunk. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last day, saith the God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. On thy servants and on thy handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, the moon into blood, before that great and noble day of the Lord cometh. Now, 21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, this all came about on the, on the day of Pentecost, the day of Shavuot, upon the day of beginning the Feast of Weeks. It all came about. Now, Peter saw the time of the end times, the signs, and then again they began on Shavuot. Now, in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, if you'll turn there, the 37th verse, Acts 7, 37, it says, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me, him shall ye hear. This is he that was in the church, in the wilderness, with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Zion, and with our fathers, who received the lively oracles to give unto us. Now, what did they receive? The living word. To whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again unto, into Egypt, saying to Aaron, Make us gods to go before us, for as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. They didn't know what had happened to him. And so, you know, there again, leadership is something that, bless God, seemingly, you're a hero one day and a bum the next. I, I, you know, with, with, with Moses, and when you look at Moses, probably the greatest, the greatest man that ever walked the face of this earth, uh, because he spoke face to face with God. Do you know the Jews don't see him at all as a prophet? And the reason they don't see him as a prophet is because they, they deem him much higher than that, because nobody else has ever talked face to face to God except Moses, and to live to tell about it anyway. So they deem, they don't deem him a prophet. They deem him, bless God, uh, far, far above all that. But the fact of the time, when you study all that, you begin to see something, even with that. And you know, I used to always think about that. There he brought him out of Egypt. All the signs, all the wonders that happened while they were in Egypt. The Red Sea opens up. They go out and wander around for 40 years, and they give them, you know, God brings manna down from heaven to feed them. And all the things that took place. And yet, at times and places, they, you know, Korah and his, his group at one time, they were gonna, you know, they were gonna take over the camp, and he was gonna run the show, and God brought another side. And, and yet, there was times when the people come down against Moses. And I thought, dear God in heaven, if somebody like Moses had a, had a, such a thing to go through, the rest of us don't stand a chance. And, and I've always said that about the leadership. The leadership is the leadership. People don't understand how to accept the leadership. I as, uh, have been known now, uh, or getting to be known around the, this nation as a, an Old Testament prophet. Now, I don't know whether that's good, bad, or somewhere in between ugly, but the fact of the matter is, the, the, the thing that seems to be in, being said uh, to, about around the cities about me is the fact that I seem to walk in the power of the anointing as the old, the old prophets walked. Now, with that comes something that's very subtle and very true. I believe that there can only be one leader. I don't believe there can be a dozen. I don't believe there can be two. I believe there can only be one. I believe that any two-headed anything is a freak. And I believe it's something that God never created in this kingdom, so two heads won't work. There can only be one leader. There's only going to be one person that God is talking to and telling which way that the, the church and all this is supposed to be going. And then everybody else is supposed to make up their mind whether they like it or they don't like it. And bless God, and we still do that very well today, don't we? And so when it comes to these decisions, the fact of it is, what makes the leader? They're chosen of God. 
You know, we went through, we went through, and I spoke uh, this past weekend up in Detroit very, very strongly about the fact that you have to realize that, that there's few people on this earth that are chosen of God. There's many anointed vessels, but there's few that are truly chosen of God that carry these kind of anointings. And I don't say that, I don't say that in a, in a prideful way. The, the price that I pay for this isn't worth it at all to me. It hasn't been for several years. The fact of it is, the thing that amazes me so much is when people rise up and, and, and oh, it's all for such some small things. I mean, everything will be going well, and all of a sudden, bless God, I'll say something. Somebody said, oh, I got on the internet and I found three rabbis that said something different. Well, what's that supposed to mean? Is that supposed to mean that I'm wrong because you found three rabbis that said something different? Now, I don't mean I'm wrong. Bless God, that doesn't mean I'm wrong at all. You know what that means? That means that you or somebody that does that kind of thing, you're out here looking for somebody else to, to bless God to come to a point in time to convince you that you know what I know. And I haven't been backward, and I'll never be backward about saying, I don't care if you live to be Methuselah's age, you'll never know what I know, because the angel comes and God directs me, and I'll feed you to the day that he breaks that eastern sky wide open if you want to sit around and be fed. If you don't, bless God, somebody said, well, now, Brother Deckard, I'm coming here, and I'm going to stay for a while until, until I learn all this. And I said, then you might as well get ready, because you're going to be here till Jesus comes. You know, that's the way we've done most of the things we've done all of our life. We jump over here for a while and we get everything until, until what? Until somebody in leadership says something that we don't agree with. And what's that supposed to mean? See, I've never understood what that's supposed to mean. Bless God, I'm going to tell you something. There's going to be a lot of things, bless God, that some, a man of God like me is going to say that people don't agree with. It doesn't bother me that the fact the fact of the matter is that, you know, until God, until God, the terrible thing about sitting under a major prophet of God is that when you come under this ministry, you're here. If God told you to get under the ministry, you're, you're here. Uh, and, and why in the world would God take you out from under this ministry? So I can never understand that about people. And then all of a sudden people come in and say, well, now God's told me to move on. I said, well, well, is God a liar? Is he a schizophrenic? What's wrong with God? Something's wrong with God. What do you suppose is wrong with God to tell somebody something like that? Oh, I don't know, brother, but I, mean, I said, well, I'll tell you what the problem is, that that's the way you've probably been your whole walk with the Lord God. You've gone from this place, you've gone... I saw it all over the place up in Detroit in the spirit. I got downright aggravated about all of it. I said, dear God in heaven, it's no wonder you people can't get anywhere with God. Most of you never set any place over two or three years at one time, then you jump over and get somewhere else. Now, can you outgrow places? Yeah, you can outgrow places. Very seldom you're ever going to outgrow a prophet, unless you're, unless you're sitting under a minor prophet. And bless God, when I call minor prophets, I'm talking about the anointing again. You're sitting under a prophet that's anointed for a, a local church, and you're not sitting under a prophet that's called to the nations. Where am I going with all that anyway? Well, anyway, it's a leadership. Moses was a leader. Moses was given that leadership by God. He didn't want it. Dear God in heaven, he didn't want it in a man in the moon. But anyway, he accepted that. Only because why? Because I guess it come right down to the fact that God just said, Moses, Moses, there's no other game in town for you. And isn't that the truth for all of us? There is no other game in town for us. We've got to fulfill and do exactly what God tells us to fulfill and what He has to do. Now, when you look at all this, you understand that through all this, and we talk often about a Noahide covenant, and that's when people coming in, bless God, starts to learn to keep the law. That was the, that was the Gentiles. Now, when their hearts, had to, their hearts had to change, and when their hearts began to change, uh, then they knew that they would receive more and more of the law, and they did. First, they got them saved, got them filled with the Holy Ghost. They brought them in and said, now look, now there's basic, there's basic laws here you're going to start with. You know, and they started with them, then they did them, then they fed them more, they taught them more, and then they went on with a willing and what? Obedient heart. See, the key of willingness and obedience will never get out of the vocabulary of any of us that believe that we're going to grow. You always have to first be willing. Are you willing? You know, I think what we should have done was ask people very frankly, are you willing to bless God want to grow up? That should be the first, the first question asked. 
Are you going to be obedient to that? Or are you just going to get out here and wait? Does anybody here understand the devil being able to uh, get you out of a ministry like this or any ministry by bringing you to a place where you cross swords with the, with the, the authority because you believe this or you believe that and it's contrary to what you believe that they're trying to teach? You ever been there? Well, sure, we all have. What is that? That is immaturity at its richest. Because the fact of it is, no matter what, no matter what, the authority has to be adhering to. You know, I told somebody not, not all that long ago, I said to him, I said, well, you know, I guess what we need to do is every time I get done is to take a vote. Now, how many thought that part of the sermon was good? And Well, that's good. That, oh, oh, well, come on up and, and you tell them then how we should do this different on that part. Can you imagine the mess it would be if it was done that way? Well, sure, it would be a mess. What's that got to do with these festivals? A whole lot to do with them. Acts 15 all connects itself. There's no way. There's no way to get. Away, there's no way to get away from it. Now, now, when all this came down, and they begin to look at all this stuff, they begin to realize. And let's see, in verse uh, 21. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Now, now in every Sabbath, isn't it? Not, not just every once in a while, every Sabbath. So what was Moses being read in all the synagogues? Now, let me tell you something. That's all they had. They didn't have churches. They had synagogues. Now, he, now, what, now, now understand again. For Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Now, uh, we need to understand, we need to understand that with the testament of Yeshua and by the commandments is going to be the key for us coming out, coming out of those things that we have been locked into by people that didn't know the difference, all right? Let's, let's look, if you will, into uh, the 20th chapter and the 16th verse. For Paul had determined to sail to Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted, if it were possible for him, to be in Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. Now, wait a minute. I thought Paul didn't keep the law. Well, why in the world would Paul be worried or concerned? Why would he be worried or concerned about about uh, being there at Pentecost? Because it's a commandment. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 16, second verse. Upon the first day of the week, let every, every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And when I come, whomsoever shall ye approve by your letters, them will I send to bring you your liberality unto Jerusalem. And if it be met that I go also, they shall go with me. Now I will come unto you when I pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. And it may be that I will abide, yea, and winter with you, that you may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. There again he said, I will trust to tarry a while with you, but the Lord permit. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Now, again, for a guy that didn't keep the law, he sure looked to me like he was awful concerned about it there, didn't he? Absolutely he was concerned about it because he kept it, as I've told you over and over again. Let's go to uh, uh, Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31, and we will wrap this thing up. Jeremiah 31. The feast is so important because God ordained those feasts. Thirty-one twenty-seven. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will sow to the house of Israel, the house of Judah, with the seed of man and with the seed of beast. And it shall come to pass 
that like as I watched over them to pluck up, to break down, to throw down, and destroy, to afflict, so I watch over them to build, to plant, saith the Lord. In those days they shall say no more, the fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge, but every one shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth the sour grape, his teeth shall be set on edge. Behold, the day comes, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. And we've been through all that. And he says, Not according to the covenant that I made with your fathers in that day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, the neat thing I think about all of it when you come down uh, through that and begin to realize that God, in His infinite wisdom, knew exactly the steps in which He was going to take for all mankind. All uh, from the beginning, He knew. So, so He's trying to tell us. But everything evolved around His law. The only thing that came out from under that was His Son. But His Son came and fulfilled the law, and the part of the law that He fulfilled, if not complete pleaded the entirety of the law, and maybe the rest of what I have still in my mind about the law, maybe that part subsided and went away, because the only thing that he did, uh, according to being here and for the Father, was to do what? Was to become the sacrificial lamb, to, to come and, and serve himself to mankind for the remission of sin. That's what he did. That was his job. But, but we got ourselves into, into such a, a mess with all of it that, bless God, that we, we, we got to listen to a lot of voices. And maybe, maybe through all that, uh, we did what? We, we, we snored ourselves as we slept. Now, here's some interesting facts about Pentecost. David was born on Shabbat, and I'm going to tell you this one, he died on Shabbat. Now, was that by mistake? No. He was born on Shabbat. He died on Shabbat. Uh, Yeshua prayed, you know, when he went up, he prayed all night. It was on Shabbat. Jesus chooses his apostles on Shabbat. Jesus delivers his sermon on the mount on Shabbat. The Holy Ghost is sent on Shabbat. Paul reaffirms the law on Shabbat. Ruth is read because the harvest was then at Shabbat. All of this pertains to all by chance, but no, no. Everything, and I've said over and over and over again, everything that has ever happened to Israel or ever will happen to Israel will happen in accordance to one of these great feasts. Everything has. Everything will. It's the way God does things. And, and you can be assured that, that, that the Mashiach, he will come on one of these feasts. Now, there's a lot of uh, things that say, well, I think he'll come in, I think he'll come there. Well, and, I, and I agree, there's many things said, but we don't know. God, he said, that, that's in the power of the Father, not, not even his power. The Father didn't tell him. And I always said that if the Father had told Yeshua, he would have told us. He told us everything else. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to tell us that. Now, these are the readings that you, you need to, to do on, on Shabbat, Pentecost. And I'll give those to you. The book of Psalms, you need to read, you obviously need to read the book of Ruth. The book of Psalms 113, Psalms 114, Psalms 115, Psalms 116, Psalms 117, and Psalms 118. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Prophet Tom Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois. Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So again, you can also get more, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Until next week, remember, with God, all things are possible.